We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at the Firefly episode, Our Mrs. Reynolds. On a remote planet, Mal and the gang rescue a settlement from bandits that have been preying on the town. The townsfolk throw a big party for the crew and there is much drinking to be had. Upon departure the next day, Mal discovers his wife aboard the ship. What wife, you say? The one he got married to the prior night without realizing it. Unable to return her to the planet due to issues with local law enforcement, they take her to the next planet, Beaumont. The young woman, Saffron, wants to do her duty as Mal's wife. Mal does not want this, and the rest of the crew make his life a misery with their jokes and assumptions about him taking advantage of the poor girl. While Mal tries to get Saffron to stand up for herself, she continues to try to convince Mal to give it a try. Eventually, when she turns up naked in Mal's bed, all ready for him, he finally begins to succumb to her charms, only to find himself drugged and unconscious by her lipstick. Next, she plies her charms on Wash on the flight deck. She nearly succeeds, but Wash's fidelity to Zoe is at least unshakable enough to delay her success, and she grows tired and just knocks him unconscious. She sets the ship on a new course, sabotages the controls and communications, seals the flight deck, and makes her way to the second shuttle. There she encounters Inara, so she attempts to seduce her, but Inara sees through it, but not before Saffron gets the opportunity to escape in the shuttle. Inara rushes to Mal, whom she thinks has been killed, but when he stirs, she kisses him, succumbing herself to the lingering drug on his lips. Later, Inara will claim she fell and hit her head rather than admit she was drugged kissing Mal. When everyone finally comes around, they break into the flight deck and fight a desperate battle to regain control of the ship. They have been placed on a course to a carrion house, a salvage operation that collects ships and either breaks them up for parts and sells the ship's hull. To do this, the ships are hijacked and sent on a course through a device called a net, an electronic death machine that will kill all living beings on board when it passes through. Unable to alter course in time, Mal comes up with a desperate plan. Jane must use his favorite gun, Vera, to shoot a critical failure point on the net just before they pass through it. He succeeds and, for good measure, puts a couple bullets through the window of the carrion house, killing the occupants when the window fails. As things return to normal, Mal realizes Inara didn't hit her head and what is instead knocked out by the poison lipstick. He confronts her and she agrees to tell the truth. And then... Mal snatches defeat from the jaws of victory by gloating that he knew Inara was seduced by Saffron and kissed her. Fade to credits on Inara's stunned face. All right. Our Mrs. Reynolds, which is a play on some film or movie that I cannot put my finger on right at the moment. No, it slipped my mind. It wasn't something I was familiar with before I researched this episode. So, and it doesn't really matter. I doubt very much that it has anything to do with it. It's just a title, uh, a play on the title. But uh, anyway, uh, so um, what stands out in this episode to you? Everything. <laughs> Everything. I mean, <laughs> well, okay. Christina Hendricks. Uh huh. 
I mean, everyone goes on about Mad Men, right? Mm. The, 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 the show, yeah. Chris, well, the show, but in but specifically Christina Hendricks in, in Mad Men. Um, people get quite excited about her in that. But, f- but for me, playing this full-on siren in Firefly is just, wow. She's cute. <laughs> you know, nothing sexier. She, she's definitely cute. Is she supposed to be underage? She's not supposed to be underage. Okay. Well, I mean, one of one of the th- one of the themes in this is obviously the um, wh- whether it is whether it is appropriate for Mal to be taking advantage of her. No one takes that seriously except for Shepard Book. I mean, every everyone thinks he is right. <laughs> well, okay, I, I I have that question. I mean, th- this is you know back to to morally ambiguous Mal, um, but I. Um, uh, or or morally ambiguous lead M A L huh ah got to be a coincidence um what he's the he's the morally ambiguous lead of the show oh M-A-L, I see, I see. Yeah. yes um hmm. well uh, so no I, I no I I need that question kind of answered because when when Shepherd Bush says book. you know this book book. <laughs> Shepherd's Bush is just always gonna. Sorry about that. They I'm they sure blew it on been, that name. I'm sure you've been watching Neverland. I'm glad I didn't put him in the. I didn't put him in the recap this time, so I didn't have to uh, screw that one up again. Um, Shepherd Book, um, when he he confronts Mal and talks about the special place in hell he's going to that's reserved for child molesters and people who talk in theaters. Um, I thought, yes, I know that that's a joke about people talking in theaters but is he saying you're you're a child molester which would imply that he thinks the girl is below below age i can't tell i'm old enough now that when i look at her it's like she could be she couldn't she's 27 at the time of filming it's a bit of a stretch unless 500 years in the future the age of consent has gone up hugely i mean i don't know what the age of consent is in the u.s uh i don't know 18 used to be in different parts okay. it's I mean, different it's, ages it's 16, it's 16 over this side of the pond so i i don't think there is any question that she's on the legal side of it at that point what there is in my mind a question of for for once i th- you know it the the question that you have alluded to a number of times in previous episodes about slavery becomes i think quite central to this story mm-hmm. in this in the sense that the question of um, the question of consent actually depends on her perception of the choice, and and here obviously I'm talking about the character of Saffron, who the crew all believe to be this right. kind of um, rather naive, downtrodden, and um, traded chattel in effect, mm. and, and and so it she she. There is this whole question of cultural relativism. She has been brought up in a culture where she has been led to believe that she will simply be married off in exchange for something. And that's her role in life. And if she deviates from that path, then she will be letting down her father and letting down her community. And so she believes what she is doing is something that she doesn't have a choice about really she may happen to want to do it and that's that's the again that's what saffron is projecting mm-hmm. but it's still not the same as having a choice okay 
Uh, right, right, right. And and I'll just add for the age of consent argument that you know we are presented with a universe that is uh, fractioned groups of, uh, as we discussed last time, probably a lot of religious lunatics, um, right, fringe fringe groups, right? That that want to carve out their own their own way. And um, if the history of the West is anything to go by, eh, twelve might be the age of consent. For some of these groups. Indeed. Um, and not uncommon, you know, old enough to breed, old enough to get married and go off and do whatever. Um, so, you know, it, it it might be, you know, the question here is going to be not what her age of consent is, but it's the one that's in Mal's mind, which obviously he has a or Shepherd books mind. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, indeed, because, because the the attitude in this, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to quibble a bit with with the morally ambiguous label um, for Mal in this episode because essentially the role he plays in this one is one of upholding, and it it is given that Mal effectively seems to not actually believe in very much himself, he is the one who is upholding what you might consider to be the kind of um, the moral values of the society that he comes from and f- from that you get the lectures the the lectures he gives saffron about about yeah, the being right to a, live and kill a, people a, yeah yeah well being being a free woman yes some someone tries to kill you you try to kill him right back so okay um i i was i was not um entirely won't argue I won't entirely argue with your quibble because I agree in this episode there is absolutely no doubt that Mal is following the path that you would expect the lead of an American TV show in that era to follow he does not believe that the girl should be trapped into a forced marriage he will not take advantage of that he is uncomfortable with the whole notion when it turns out that she's a criminal and that she's nearly killed them all Despite all his talks about killing people who try to kill you, there was never, ever, ever any doubt that he was going to go hunt her down and kill her. I, I, I had no Indeed. doubt whatsoever that he would waste his time capturing her just to show her, hey, I'm the big hero. I can track you down. And then he just punches her, which, you know. But, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I want to come back to that. But, but here's why. Here's why still I'm going to continue to call him morally ambiguous Mal, because he is from episode to episode. But you would think that the people who know him best, Zoe, would also know that about him. And yet they don't seem to. And well, that's ex- interesting. Well, no. What, what don't they know about him? What they, what, what they think is that he will take advantage of her. What exactly. happens is he does get seduced by her. So... He, his moral compass is actually fully functional in this. He's just weak. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, no. Well, I'm I'm not arguing that he he shouldn't have or couldn't have or, or or wouldn't. I mean, there is a point where you can just push somebody so far, and I don't begrudge that to him. I mean, he was fighting off. Uh, if we want to argue that the moral thing would not to touch the woman. Uh, if you want to make that argument, I mean, theoretically, they are two consenting adults, so I'm not. So, but I mean, it's by his code, it's like you don't do it, and she's pushing pretty hard, and she's making a pretty good case, um, and she's pushing all the right buttons, Amal, um, <laughs> down to you know, I'll do what you say, I'll try to be a person. I mean, sh- the writing of this, they're very good on 
making her say what somebody who was truly manipulating those characters would say. Mm. I will I will give them that. She knows exactly which buttons to push on Mal to get him to break down in the end, just like she's knowing which buttons to push on Wash that would have gotten him to break down. She goes yes. to where the stars are. You know that that's why he's a pilot, right? I mean, you can, yes. you can yes, assume yes. that about a character. She correctly pegs the whole thing where, you know, it doesn't seem like Zoe respects you. And I'm not saying that Zoe doesn't respect him, but you could easily, you could easily see how Wash might have a bit of an inferiority complex there in yes, that relationship. Indeed. And so she's pushing that button. And I would say that probably another 10 minutes and Wash would have fallen to the lipstick too. I, I don't think he would have succumbed, gone for long. She just got tired of it. Of the game, and she's and she's and she's rushing at that point, which, yeah. which again is so. I mean, there's, I, th- I think you're absolutely on the money with that. This is an episode that Whedon has said wrote itself, and he says that's very unusual for he doesn't he doesn't normally find that, and in particular, a couple of scenes where um, there's 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 one where Saffron is talking to Mal, and she gets him talking about his his background a bit, right. um, his parents and so forth. And, and, you know, stuff that Whedon said he didn't know about Mel, but it's something that as as this incredibly adept manipulator, she is able to get people to do that. And he's apparently basing it on people he knows. And similarly, Wash is starting to talk about um, himself in that way. But you're right, she she starts to lose patience in that. She's 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 now feeling the urgency a bit more, and mm-hmm. more so even when she's talking to Inara. So in each case, it's it's getting a little bit more um, like she, she. It's her she first does... attack. Her first attack is the manipulation, and yeah, you know, like I just but it don't needs have time. time. It needs yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I and... do think it's I do think it's very very nicely done. Yeah. So I will absolutely. Absolutely agree on there. I, I, it still comes back to me, though, that I have a problem with the fact that the crew does, in fact, think that he's taking advantage of her or that he would. And that is not the person we see. And my question is... Well, it is the person we see. He's not taking advantage of her. She's taking advantage of him. Well, <laughs> he is, but no one knows that. Up, you know, up to that point, even beyond that point, no one knows that. I mean, he's he's Mal doesn't know it because he's unconscious, right? Well, but even there, I mean, when you're taking advantage of someone, you are the one pressing the advantage. She is pressing the advantage there, except, even except that except that he is in a he is in a position of authority, and that's the issue. It's it's kind of like that situation Her of ooh. Dodgy, well, dodgy she, territory no, 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 there. Because this is the this is this is the point. He isn't her husband unless we, unless we're accepting that he is somehow bound by the the cultural rituals of a, an, another a, a whole other set of moral values that he doesn't subscribe to, but happen to be you know he happened to be on their their planet. And I I think where Mal is coming from is saying that actually what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. It 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 don't matter what the 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 laws say on this planet or or the other planet. This is wrong. This is wrong. And it and and the the authority thing is it's not a, it's not a straight age of consent thing. It's more a, a kind of like uh, a student seducing her lecturer or whatever. You know, he he might be tempted, but 
that doesn't make it the right thing to do. I, I, I see I've the point. Off, I see the point. But I've, I, I've drawn I, you off your point a bit anyway, because you're arguing that he he is not taking advantage of her, and the crew believe that he is going to sleep with her. I, I think it's What's different What's wrong with them believing that, if you're believing that? I, 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 it's a difference. The difference is, and I think this is a difference between your point as well, it's not just that the crew think he will. I believe it's the crew think he will now. Not that Mal will be tempted and eventually crack. I think that the crew do not think that he will have compunction about taking advantage of her. And that's the disparity I see. That, that they seem ready to believe the worst about Mal and not give him the benefit of the doubt that he will even try well, to resist. Well, there, okay? there, is a, there is certainly a theme running through where when Mal does end up doing the right thing, giving the medicine back in the train job or going back for the Tams in safe, it's not clear that anyone else expects him to do that. True. So he, whenever he does the right thing, he always somewhat exceeds people's expectations of him. Okay, but in the train job, for example, we are not presented with anything that would make you think Mal is going to return that until he starts, you know, in the course of the story, we start seeing that Mal has second thoughts. So, in other words, it's not his default position. It makes sense that Zoe would believe that he's going to do these, to take the money and go, or take the medicines and go, because that's his stated goal, it's his stated aim, it's his modus operandi, and it's not until he, he gets kind of stuck with the, the, the human aspect of it that he changes. Now, in this, we don't have that in this story. Mal, from word go, is like, no, I'm not married no we got to take you back no we got to do this and everyone else just assumes he's going to do the worst thing that that's the difference to me but i'm i'm not but sure i never everyone, feel like i'm not i'm not sure everyone does i'm not sure everyone does and what i like about this episode i mean it's it's a comedy it's a beautifully written comedy i mean the, there are some great one liners in it but it's all based on character and it comes about because we get we, we've got the, the kind of crew established in there. There We know a bit about all of them. And then into this pool, we get Saffron is thrown and, and it's the ripples that she makes that tell us something about each of the characters. And I think what they expect of Mal has more to do about them th- themselves. Jane, clearly, is if, if he were in Mal's shoes, he would not be thinking twice. I mean, what what is it he, I, he I says? Don't... Mal says, I don't know her. And Jane says, can I know her? And and tries to trade her. Would not use Jane's point of view as any meaningful moral compass for him. Okay. (laughs) So, 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 well, no, I'm starting there because, you know, we go the other. But Wash, his his reason for resisting her advances, uh, well, his reason is basically that Zoe could break break him with he could she could kill him with her pinky i think he says yeah and specifically says i wish i was someone else right now i.e if he was in mal's position single uh, unattached we know what he would be doing so again i think there's some projection there i'm not sure that everyone is judging mal either because kaylee her reaction is you know it's it uh, Oh, oh, congratulations, it's so sweet. And Inara's reaction is entirely to do with her own jealousy. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, Inara's reaction. And, 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 well, it, and if, Book, if Book is judging Mal, it's, that's coming from his 
fundamentalist religious point of view. Maybe. Uh, except there's a possibility. Um, Kaylee doesn't get much in this episode, and so I don't know that, you know, apart from her, her one-liner and he makes everybody cry. He's like um, a monster. Yeah. Uh, you know, she doesn't really have much interaction with Saffron, and so we don't really, we don't really get any reflection uh, in her. I see also jealousy in Zoe. He also thinks the best of everyone. Yeah. I also see jealousy in Zoe. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah. Is, is it she's worried about Wash? Is it is it worried about busting up the team with Mal because she's very close with him as well? I'm not sure there, but... I, I, I think that's quite an interesting one because it's almost like Zoe is the only the only character to to sort of react to Saffron on an even keel, but she doesn't get it straight away. When when she first becomes aware of Saffron, when when Mal says, "Zoe, how come I got a wife?" and tells her to go and call Wash, she calls everyone down mm-hmm. to the hold to congratulate you on your day of bliss, and she thinks that she thinks the whole thing is this huge joke, and then suddenly switches her point of view so, so abruptly that that wash literally asks her when it stopped being so funny and she's and she decides that saffron is is trouble okay well she did answer that question though yes the moment but, you decided not to take the ship back to the planet which would imply that it became not funny when enough. wash was um whatever <laughs> whatever wash was doing there at that moment um i thought he had a so perfectly maybe, valid maybe it's excuse not, yeah, maybe she's not completely um, a, a disinterested party. There is some jealousy. Well, I do think, for starters, we should establish whether or not you are convinced uh, that Zoe is, in fact, in love with Wash. Absolutely. Okay. And I would agree with that assessment. I mean, but we have to, we have to start there. So if she is in love with him, then she could be jealous, potentially jealous, um, maybe maybe outraged because she feels Wash is siding with Mal, who is not actually doing anything wrong. I, I, that's where that one all gets kind of... I mean, he's like, take us back. No, we can't go back to law enforcement. Okay, we'll take her forward then. Al tries to do the right thing. Wash points out why you can't do the right thing. But, they, but, but partly partly that's because they're all finding it funny at the time. That it's when... When Mal storms off, he, he after Saffron, he says, "Me and me and her got one thing in common. We're the only ones who don't think this is funny. Everyone yeah. else thinks the whole thing is a hoot, and they're not trying to help Mal out because they're too busy enjoying laughing at him. Even, mm. even to the point, Zoe included, where they they you know they've clearly upset Saffron because it's it's kind of quite cruel actually. The whole let let's all let's all gather around and laugh at this." mess that mal has got himself into because oh, yeah. it completely annoys uh, sorry it completely ignores saffron and her feelings in the matter well absolutely and and i think we're supposed to believe as you say in terms of slavery that she is she is a bit of a non-entity in their eyes because she has been treated as a non-entity and that's and, Ma- and mal is the is the one who takes a different view yeah yeah so um, he he's he's wrong of course because when he says he and he and saffron are the only ones who don't take it seriously it's pretty clear that inara is not at all amused by any of this um you know even at that stage but later on she said i find the whole thing degrading and also mal 
Mel is as dense as he can get in this episode with regards to Inara. Yes. He, she is telegraphing that, it. Yes. Well, yes, but she, but it but prompted by this change in circumstances. Oh yeah, yeah. Because even even though even though the marriage is is completely ludicrous, even the merest suggestion by Mal that there might be something he finds appealing in it causes her to completely flip out. Mm-hmm. I wish you hundreds of fat children. Yeah, it, it's. So I have a separate note here. Um, it's it's obvious if it hasn't been obvious in the past but it's definitely obvious in this episode that inara is in love with mal yeah and in prior episodes i think what we have put this to is that both inara and mal have a simmering attraction to one another um it's absolutely beatrice and benedict and i mean we know how much whedon likes the play because he made a film of it is Beatrice and Benedict. I do not know that film or play. Um, Much Ado About Nothing. Oh, okay. Um, the Shakespeare thing. Yes, yes. And, and, and the, 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 the leads in it have this very kind of um, ban- banterish, antagonistic kind of uh, crackly relation. You know, whenever, whenever they meet, they, they po- poke fun at one another and... and you know, there's a point of honour to be the first in with the dig, but there is this, there is clearly this attraction running underneath that everyone recognises, except know, for them. them, right? I think, and and we in, in modern context, I mean that that we they would call that a Sam and Diane here, but um, it's the same. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it is, it is. And the story gets breaks down when they finally um, when they finally realise that they have feelings for one another. At least when they both do it at the same time, that's where those things usually start falling apart. It's that will they, won't they kind of simmering. But it, I think the deep down, you've got this understanding that you don't realize the depth of your feeling towards the other person. You, you, have, you have feelings. There's some thing that drives you to be that sort of prickly Barbie thing. And I, uh, we've, we're, you've probably not heard them. Um, this is a thing that we've had talking about on latter episodes of Space 1999, there's a character on there played by Tony Anholt, Tony Verdeschi, who who is reminds me so much of 14-year-old me because of how utterly, incompetently, ineptly he deals with the woman he's obviously in love with. He 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 <laughs> insults her. He 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 makes fun of her and and she should just kick him and leave and doesn't and i can remember doing this not even realizing as you know in in school to girls that i liked and just didn't realize that 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 was how my brain was doing. so i see truth in it i absolutely oh, yeah. positively oh, yeah. see truth well, in reality mean, in these which, in this situation which of us didn't but, so but but the nice thing about the beatrice and, and and benedict relationship is that they there is a kind of there's a symmetry to it she she gives as good as mm-hmm. she gets and i i i think that's there with with mal and Inara because although he's he's the captain she has her own status she's not part of his crew and and i think that i think that's quite important it you know it's when when you when you're casting much to do about nothing, you have to get that stage. It's why, it's why uh, David Tennant and Catherine Tate were so 
perfect for it. But I think it kind of throw a little of that out the window here, because I think we've, we've in our knows, Inara understands it. If she didn't understand it before, she understands it now, I think. And Mal is just as clueless about his feelings <laughs> to Inara as he was at the beginning. Maybe, yeah, maybe more so. Um, I mean, I don't know that that will carry forward or whether this is just one of those things where one writer, in this case, I guess Whedon, uh, decides to throw it in there and it'll be forgotten tomorrow. But it, it definitely didn't, it put my opinion of where Mal was in this relationship, if you want to call it a relationship, back one at the end when he was so utterly clueless. It was bad enough when he didn't see the jealousy, <laughs> but at the end when he goes like, I knew you had done the thing. I'm like, really, dude? That's the conclusion you came to because your brain won't even contemplate the possibility that it was the more straightforward aspect that she was in some way worried or but concerned he, about that, you. But instead, that, it's that would be you the, are the, you're the, a you're a sex object, and you of course fell for the sex thing. Is what he came up with in his mind. It's no, a I'm terrible not, thing that I'm he not thought sure, of. No, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. That's that's. I mean, partly, partly there is a. There is a real excitement for Mal in the concept, which is which is obviously connected to the attraction that he feels for Inara. So the 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 commentary on the DVD for Our Mrs. Reynolds is an entire entirely male panel, which I think is a bit of a shame for in a couple of places. Um, though, you know, it's 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 in it's. It's an interesting commentary. However, and it, it's um, it's Whedon, Nathan Fillion, uh, Ron Glass, and Alan Tudyk. By the way, when you get to the scene where Inara is facing off with Saffron at the end, and Saffron is trying to seduce her, they they literally <laughs> they cannot. It's one of the it's one of those things where for for a commentary team, and I don't I don't listen to these a great deal, but. Um, for, for the commentary to remain interesting, the, there has to be a certain amount of detachment between the commentators and what they're seeing on screen. They have to be thinking of their audience, mm -hmm. the people listening to the commentary, and at the same time simultaneously pick out things that are going on in the episode that would be of interest to the audience. They completely lose it at this point because all they're interested in doing is watching the scene and you know making certain comments and so i think there is a particular thing about that it being a, a certain kind of male fantasy and and by the way none of the all of this is is i think quite justified by the story in a way that you know the kind of sponge bath that we saw in serenity mm. did did not feel totally justified i think i think this is you know this is fine so so mal mal on the one hand he's got that that fantasy thing going on on the other hand the alternative that you are suggesting would be more straightforward to for him to believe would involve him not just thinking about his own feelings for Inara, which i guess maybe sometimes he is aware of but it would actually involve him acknowledging the fact that she reciprocates them towards him which i think is is not the straightforward thing that you suggest it is. I think part part of the problem that you have in this in this Beatrice and Benedict relationship is that they will not they will not acknowledge that the feeling might be mutual and the fact that it might not be reciprocated is the reason that they go on playing this this game of 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 um of bickering essentially to self protect themselves from their feelings. Indeed. Indeed. 
Absolutely. To, to protect themselves from rejection. Okay, I'll throw fact. one more out there. I'll throw one more out. There is one other, there's one other factor that you could consider in his willingness to accept the alternate explanation. In addition to, uh, you know, well, stated earlier that she would be the kind of person that would. And, and, you know, he constantly is picking on her about her morals. So, you mm. know, this is, this is the kind of thing you would do. But at the same time, it's also a little bit of an ego salve for himself. Well, I fell for it, but so did Inara. Well, yes. So, I mean, there's, there's also that bit of self-repair uh, to his, to yeah. his uh, yeah. ego. So, I mean, it, but but at the, the other, the other from the point of view of the, the, the comedy in this, this episode, the, the flip side of that is the extent to which Inara does not want anyone to know what really happened because she doesn't want, from, from her point of view, she doesn't want her own feelings to be known with the risk, with the attendant risk of, of rejection. So you, you get that those, those kind of wonderful comic scenes where she's completely inert, recovering from the, the uh, hallucinogenic lipstick and, and now you know where River Song gets it from. But... Um, but but she you know she's rejecting Simon looking at her or anything anything like that and anything that would in any way reveal what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. In, also, just with on the River Song connection, I hadn't spotted this before. But Saffron's line when Mal goes down after kissing her is "Night, sweetie." Well, um... so I'm wondering how many times Stephen Moffat watched this episode. Huh. Yeah. All right, so let's, um, good point. Um, let's ask this question. Who was complicit in this uh, uh, caper? How, how uh, complicit were the town folk? Not at all. Not at all. So this, this strange woman comes to town and she's just there dancing around and doing marriage ceremonies in front of everybody. And they, they're not, there's nothing. See, that's, that's the question. How did they implant her in this situation? situation if she is a if she, this is her job which it seems to be it, it, does she reg well obviously she regularly does it because the guys at the carrion house say that kid's good right so clearly she's the way they say it clearly she's done it before yeah. so they implant them they implant her somewhere <laughs> yeah like this how many places like you know, i mean you can you do it at this town again see that's 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 my question they're like does she go back to that planet? And they go, oh yeah, okay, you know, give us the thousand credits or whatever it is, and we'll let you prey on the next spaceship that comes and saves our town. Or well, maybe they've, got, maybe town, they've but... got maybe they've got one or two contacts there, but it would kind of work anywhere. There's no reason. There's no reason to have to go back to the same place. I don't think. Well, they had to find a place where you could sneak a wedding ceremony uh, in the world's smallest encyclopedia. Did you well, see that encyclopedia? <laughs> like wikipedia on a book cover <laughs> but it's the iphone in 2002 yeah um i mean i there are other ways that they could get a woman but, on but, a the, ship, but there are but... there are there are there are weird there are weird rituals on many planets as wash is is keen to point out there are places where people Gosling juggle general. geese yes i'm 
finding it hard to figure out how you're going to smuggle a girl on with a geese juggling population. But but you know, that may not be the, the, the but all they've got to do is have a copy of the same encyclopedia. The, the flaw of this episode to me, and it's a good episode. I'm not uh, picking on it, but the flaw of the episode is that the setup had to be so uh, so precise to get her for doing the kind of game that she's playing that it does feel like the town folk really are complicit. She's just got, obviously she's, they're not. She's just got to find, she's just got to find some uh, testosterone fueled captain who thinks with his, <clears throat> I don't think that Rain kind stick. of gentleman is in short supply. Um, I, we don't know the details of, of how carefully they, they picked the mark or how much of it was a happenstance. But to me, that doesn't really matter. Well, the, the guys on the, it felt like the guys on the carrion house had no clue. They didn't Which, know they were, well. They didn't know they were getting a firefly, Benito so Martinez it's not like they picked they up that ship. He, he did know they were getting a firefly. But, but yeah, clearly they hadn't, they hadn't gone out of their way to, to pick that particular vessel. Incidentally, Benito Martinez was, I, I mean, I don't know if you watched The Shield. Mm, no. But he, was, he played the, the, as you guys say, lieutenant in that. So he's a fairly major role. And he was already playing it. And so... And they and that I hadn't realised this, and they mentioned on the co- on the commentary the fact that they were quite surprised to get him. What part was he it's playing? A tiny, tiny role. He's one of the guys on the Carrion. Ship, oh, okay. And he basically came in, did one day's filming, didn't meet anyone else. Just it seems to be in the show. Hmm. And it couldn't possibly have couldn't possibly have known the show at the point they were filming it. So unlikely, but he would have known Whedon, presumably. Maybe he was a big Buffy fan. That might be it. Is Buffy older than Firefly? Oh, goodness me, yes. Buffy's, oh, okay. what, maybe from 10 years earlier. All right. Um, let's see. This well, episode, well, well, I was going to say, this episode does have um, the single most quotable line. That if, if there's anybody who knows anything about Firefly at all, they know, I swear by my pretty floral bonnet, I will end you. Like, I didn't know that. I didn't uh, that, know that was that was famous beyond the show. That, I think I think that is. I think that's more famous than the show, actually. But because it's a good line, it is um, a good line. But it's full of good lines. It, it was. It was. Um, there was also one other thing I want to point out. Now I'll, I'll let you have your your reign here. Um, when we have the scene where she says, "I'm your wife," and we cut to Mal's face. Right, just pre-credit sequence, and yep. there's a beat, and 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 a beat. And I'm like, somebody forget the switch. <laughs> Is my streaming stuck? I mean, it's so so long before it fades to the credits that I finally figured out what that is. I think the editor feels the same way about the theme music that I do. <laughs> the longer we can delay ever hearing it, the better. <laughs> Okay, well, I, there are a number of things there. First is, I don't think anyone is particularly happy with the theme music. I quite like it, incidentally. Whedon, Whedon in the commentary says, this should have just been some guy with a crappy old banjo. That's what he wrote. Uh-huh. Because it's it's a song about... And, and this is where Fox it wanted isn't. some peppy action-type right. thing with all of the orchestrations on it. So... This is a halfway house compromise. 
that basically pleases nobody. What? What? Wait. What, what? So, what was the compromise between? Well, isn't this just a crappy old banjo guy? No, because 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 it it it's got all of this orchestration and the the violins. There's a there's a whole. Oh, I can't lay my hands on it at the minute. But in the in the companion, the composer actually. I'm not sure which volume it's in. The composer talks, you know, talks about the 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 orchestration of it because it's quite elaborate. It's not just one guy accompanying himself, right? Mm. Okay, I suppose. I think it's the, the voice sort of, sort of, that throws me off. I can't get past it. Um, it, it drives my wife out of the room every time. <laughs> oh. oh well, I like it. Yeah, but uh, as as to your theory. Fan. As to yes. your theory, I hate to blow it out of the water, but it's in the shooting script. Really? So it is. It is, and they do it at the end as well. I I don't know if you connected it, but I, when when it did seem a little long, but Mal wanders off. They deliberately hold on Inara for a long time. That's also in the shooting script, and on the commentary, you get Whedon kind of cackling over how how funny he thought it was. I'm going to say, so long. in my recap, last line, fade to credits on Inara's stunned face. It, it is obvious I didn't feel like it long. was as long. Possibly because, honestly, Inara's acting in that steady face scene is better than <laughs> Mal's. Well, I mean, well, his face is kind of the same. The, the shooting script says, for Mal, at the beginning, we hold on his very stupid expression for a long long time and then for an hour at the end we hold on her expression for a long long time so it is there, there's definitely a symmetry going on there it'd be worth it would be worth timing the two to see if the long long time is the same for both of them or whether it is just my perceived and it could also be where it is in the episode you know you, you kind of there's an expectation that there's going to be a beat and then roll credits because you're at the start of things Right, that you're yeah, you're, yeah. you're waiting for the next thing to happen, and when you end, you are not. You are you are slow curtain draw at the end of, of the episode. So maybe that's why it doesn't feel as as long. But it felt like just I, I mean it was it was obvious enough that I noticed it. So they got that part right. If it's in the script, they definitely they definitely did what they were trying to accomplish. It felt wrong. <laughs> it. it you know, I mean, it, it felt un- uncomfortable. I think that is what I think that is what the aim was. It wasn't. I wasn't uncomfortable because of the look on Mal's face or the situation. I was uncomfortable because, all right, next, <laughs> what's going to happen now? Want to know? Keep going. <laughs> but uh, I, I think. I mean, um, was was uh, was Mal um, about to kill Jane when uh, he was trying to? You mean the showdown? Yeah. It's yeah, my very favorite gun. I call it Vera. Yeah, yeah. Was 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 Mal sitting there in his? Well, you have the right to kill anybody who's trying to kill you. Was he contemplating pulling that gun and killing Jane at that moment? I I don't think there's any question of what was going through Mal's mind. But he he's obviously aware of the because Zoe, we know that Zoe, Zoe it's um. It's uh, Shindig, I think, where Zoe has that conversation with Wash, where she says, you know, if she, if she falls asleep, then the the I forget the exact phrase, but the but the power crazed whatever she calls him is is going to come and kill her and take over the ship. Mm-hmm. Something like that is in Mal's mind in that scene, and the risk is great enough to keep him on board the ship. 
I mean, obviously he was handy the, in this episode. The, you mean the 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 if, the risk is not the size of the risk; it's how useful Jane is. Yeah, the, be- the benefit the benefit of having him is great yeah. enough to outweigh the risk. The is risk. worth yeah. Well, it's it's worth paying. It's a the risk, risk worth taking. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god. So where and he did come in handy with his gun in this episode i would be uh, re our conversation last time about the sound of the guns i yeah. thought it was interesting that they had to put it in a spacesuit because it needed air to fire which would imply it's just a gun something it uses a chemical reaction uh, well it's it certainly is a gun it actually is a what 500 year old gun um, because it's it's based on a oh now can I I should have noted this down it's it's based on it is it is based on a real gun it's a it's a Sega twelve I don't know if I pronounced that right Sega Sega twelve um, with with some customizations uh, so that's that that's a that's a real gun five hundred years before the show is set so clearly this technology does last a long time it's also interestingly enough a gun that will fire without oxygen hmm. well but jane maybe doesn't know that okay that's a that is an interesting but it's a goof basically huh that is an interesting they, they, goof. they didn't know that the gun would fire without oxygen when they shot the episode well i would assume that any you could get a gun to fire without oxygen provided that the ammunition was made in a certain way i don't know how that works but i mean i could certainly see how you could do it Also, the fact that he was pointing it out of an open spacesuit makes me think that there was probably no oxygen anyway. (laughs) Well, it was a a sealed suit before he blew a hole in it, and presumably the oxygen was still in the process of rushing out when he killed the guys. I thought thought that was what they were implying, that he was shooting through a sealed suit, although you'd never be able to aim the gun like that. Mm. And... Would you even be able to pull the trigger like that? Well, I guess you'll it through the suit. I don't know. They usually aiming, aiming, f- it, aiming, you'd have to be a very good aim because you wouldn't be able to line it up by eye. Yeah. But then when he did shoot it, it looked to me like the lid was up on the helmet. No, it wasn't. Right. I didn't go back no, and look. but He blew I... a hole in the helmet. You can see it. Okay. And then the, then the, the oxygen rushes out. I was actually on the too. exercise bike, so it's possible I leaned down at that moment and typed something. Oh, but, uh, you're so virtuous. <laughs> um, hmm. All right. All right. Interesting that they would... I wonder if somebody... <laughs> I wonder if somebody in the prop department said, oh, they're going to be shooting this gun in space? Let's get them one that can shoot with no air. That's what they'll do. And then they just... <laughs> Like, oh, sorry, didn't realize that was a plot point. Uh, you have anything else? I, I do, I do have a, a thing, and I, I, I'm wondering whether it's something that bothered you at all, but I'm guessing not because we've not discussed it yet. I think this is an absolutely exquisite comedy and as near flawless of 45 minutes of television as you can get, but it's not flawless. It has, it has one quite troubling flaw in it. Okay. The, in the penultimate scene, this has to do. This has to do with Mal being a uh, what was the phrase? Um, morally ambivalent. Morally, yeah, ambiguous. A morally, a morally ambivalent lead, but but there are, there's a thing where I think it's actually it's it's okay to present someone in the role of being a lead, and I think a lot of television was doing this at the time. 
I mean, Firefly was probably slightly ahead of the game. They they can be in that role and they can be interesting even if they aren't the perfect, flawless hero. But it's important how people react to what they do. Mm-hmm. So when Mal does something bad, it's actually seen as being something bad. Okay. In the penult- in the penultimate scene when he tracks down Saffron, there is an implied threat of rape. Okay, I was just going to ask: Are you saying it's sort of a rapey scene? Yeah. It, I, I, it's definitely there. It's definitely there, and I, I'm, I'm surprised I haven't seen more about it on the commentary. It's clearly not an issue they they've written well the scene is written at at the at the end again i th- uh, the, there is a thing where i think you have to be very careful on tv when you portray violence against women mm-hmm. and that's not to say you can never show violence against women there are there are there are situations where you might actually want to deal with that as a theme there are also situations where for example if you know if if mal were to hit a woman who was attacking him in in self-defense i don't think that's an issue but what we get here is he he strikes her i mean he pistol whips her when she has been disarmed and he and she's literally pinned to the floor mm-hmm. and it's written as a joke there's a there's a kind of bond-esque throwaway quip that follows it and i don't th- i don't think that's okay because the message is that somehow because because this woman is a bad woman, because she's been... Okay, I mean, she is a bad woman. She's She tried to kill. She tried to kill everybody, but that... And, yeah, that's pretty serious. But I don't... I cannot see a justification. I cannot see any justification for what he does, at, at least in the sense that the way it is portrayed is not seen as being... You know, he, he's been under such terrible... He's been in, under such a terrible ordeal and she is the architect of it all. He cannot help himself. But it's not, it, it, it's not that. And so the message that you take away from it is sometimes violence against women is justified if they have been really manipulative. And, and it's more complicated by the themes in the episode which have to do with manipulation through sex, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Because violent, that, it's the violent abuser's mindset that is the kind of form of self-justification in their head. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going through Mal's head, but you portray this in this way on television, and that is how it is going to be received. I'll go so far as to say that I can't figure out what the hell Mal was doing in that scene. They tracked the shuttle down. They retrieved the shuttle. Why did he even bother to confront her? If they weren't going to do anything to her, if they weren't going to turn her over to the law enforcement, if they weren't going to shoot her, uh, and, you know... Pretty much throughout the episode, Mal made it very clear that if someone tries to kill you, you have a right to go kill him. So I, frankly, what I thought was going to happen and did not was that Mal was tracking her down, that Mal was planning to do her a violence. I don't mean a rape violence, but I mean he was planning to do either uh, kill her or turn her over to the authorities, which seems the least likely alternative. <laughs> or at least try to demand information like, why did you do this? Why did you pick us? Who's picking on us? You know, who who are you the agent for? And that she would once again get the upper hand on him and Zoe would kill her. Now, that is exactly mm. what I expected to happen at the ending of this episode. I did not expect him to, you know, show up, throw her around a little bit, and then instead of killing her, punch her and walk away and let bygones be bygones. That didn't make any sense to me at all. 
I mean, I would, have, I would have been happier. First of all, I would have been happier, given the way this scene turned out, I'd have been happier if it wasn't there. I think if Zoe had killed her, it would have been a cop-out because it's like, you're not, you're not dealing with the issue. You're just having, you're sidestepping it by having a woman kill her. I, well, it could have had Jane do it, but I felt Zoe would do it because she's, she's Mal's trusted ally. Jane's just a homicidal. Well, maniac. it would, yeah, no, it would. I mean, it would be consistent with character. So, you know, but then in this, in that sense, I feel that the scene as written does make sense. There is. But why did he go un- there? There isn't because there is an unresolved strand in the story, which is the actual chemistry between Mal and Saffron, which is definitely there. And whatever, whatever he thinks she is, and however wrong that turns out to be, there's still some, and, and whatever his other, you know, whatever the other issues are, his feelings for Inara, there is some chemistry. There is an attraction for him. And so it doesn't seem wildly out of character that he would go and track her down just to prove tell her, her he could. That, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and to tell her that, that you know, he, he got away. He hits her, I think, because... She'd have killed him when he they, got they, up. Exactly. He needs he needs to get out of there. He needs to get out of there without killing her. And what and what else can you do? So there's a logic within the scene that doesn't change the fact that I am really really uncomfortable watching it. Mm. It's, Trying... it's a comedy. It's a comedy. This, this episode is a brilliant comedy, and that I comedy I spoiled by rape. Of it. That's that's like you just basically named the career of Bill Crosby. Um... <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, um, I, I, I'm I'm trying to think of the way that scene played out, and obviously he tracks her down in a bedroom, which you know is is loaded to begin with. Yeah. Uh, if it had been a, if it had been a kitchen, this might have played out differently. When you are struggling with someone, which is not a thing I do. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. There's there's definitely the the fact that he keeps pinning her in the way that he pins her. Um, well, it's as not, opposed it's to getting not, her in a chokehold. Well, okay. Well, maybe, if he had but, if he hadn't pinned her on the bed, if he'd come in, slapped her around a little bit, and then swung her around and held her in a chokehold and told her, you know, I got out and then a thing, and then flings her head against the wall to knock her unconscious and leaves, is that as rapey? I don't I don't think it is. To me, the the problematic the, the problematic bit in terms of in in terms of in terms of the threat of rape in this is the line where he says looks like you get your wedding night after all because it's not it's not so much pinning her down it's what okay. he's going to do yeah with her. it's that sign yeah yeah that line is definitely uh, over the mark. and i can't get around that i can't there's there's no other meaning to that there is there is no question that saffron had no intention of sleeping with mal and therefore what do you what do you yeah. conclude by what he's saying there? He's, he's there is saying, a, if you play with fire, you get burnt. That's exactly yeah. what and, he's saying. And that you you do not have the you she doesn't have the right to change her mind or whether whether or not to change her mind, but withdraw her consent. You know that it's, I can't I cannot see any other I cannot see any way of interpreting that line that doesn't have those overtones. And there is no reaction to it. There's no. There's, if you're going to have a morally ambiguous hero, who who's calling him out on that? Who how how is the how is the story which finishes a scene later? How is the story actually pointing that up as being completely unacceptable? It's not. It's not. 
And I think that you have pegged your finger on, um, let's say that particular scene in this particular episode is the cause of all our ills. It's both a reflection and a, and a, a you know, and a, a, a guidepost that, you know, in the, in the wake of the, uh, here, the Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh's, um, uh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, for listeners. This is you know you're going to hear this months from now. He was just confirmed like yesterday or the day before, something like they're sworn in. So um, you know, looking back, looking back, He's probably at that, in prison by the time this has gone out. We can only hope, um, and not not for the crime that is beyond prosecution, but the, all the rest of it that I'm sure he's involved in. Anyway, um, looking back at the age of time when he was doing these supposed things he's i think a little younger than me and i can i can remember so many more movies comedies comedies in particular so fitting here with this where these kinds of themes are laughed off they are mm. they are mm. part of the thing I, I i'm i'm still thinking and i'm sure there's many other films that have done this but i can remember that era uh, revenge of the nerds which, you know, as a nerd, there's a certain amount of, hey, that sounds like a fun film. Um, <laughs> you know, they're making fun of the big, dumb, stupid football players. That's great. But there is that sequence where the guy lusting after the cheerleader or the football girl's or the football guy's girl who would not give him the time of the day wears a mask at a Halloween ball, I think it is, or you know, costume party of some kind and has sex with her under the pretext of being her boyfriend and afterwards, she dumps her boyfriend because once you've gone nerd, you'll never go back. And it's a it's a terrible, horrific mm. <laughs> thing that is put in the mind. And it normalizes this. Yeah. It normalizes it for all the guys out there watching this film. It's like, well, it's just a comedy. Ha ha, that isn't that funny. Yeah, I'm sure that would actually happen if I uh, if I had sex with a girl. She would she would definitely fall in love with me. You know, there is there is that kind of mindset there and it it doesn't excuse it. But at the same time, if somebody keeps telling you something is OK, people yeah. are going to believe it. You know, where, where do you where do you take your your well, your people who are, people from? who are inclined to think it is OK are going to you, treat it as confirmation. But I think, you know, you do have to learn somewhere in your life. You have to learn that's not OK. I mean, yeah. People, you know, there are there are attitudes. You have to learn that you have to deal with other people and respect them. And th- these are higher level concepts beyond the biological imperatives of the human being. And, you know, the message that it's wrong is being undermined. It's being eroded uh, along the way with this sort of thing. So here is just a reflection of what was acceptable in television, if not acceptable in real life. And and. Um, you know, these, these are things that there may be, there may be a right place for something like that in a story, but as you say, there's no payoff to show this was wrong no. uh, in this. So therefore, uh, this is just, this is what a hero does. He didn't kill her, so that's okay. He just, you know, he knocked her unconscious. So he's the good guy. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So bit of a downer there. This episode, you know. So well, and I've, then I've, I've, I've got I've got just a couple of other things that are yeah. slightly less. Well, let me ask this question then before I, before you go on with it. I'm not trying to drag that on. 
you know, there's an argument that says, you know, as we say, this, this scene, because of its nature, just goes by. Do we excise this from our history? Do you go back and say, you know something? Nobody should ever see Revenge of the Nerds again because of what it does and how it glorifies that. You know, do, do we whitewash that? And, and how, does, how do we present a program like this to somebody new, to, to my son sitting down and watching this show 20 years later on Netflix? And we get to this, we get to this scene, which he didn't watch it with me, but you get to the scene that honestly, it slid right by me because I'm of that era. And I, you know, pointed out you're absolutely right. But he could have, this show is not rated for mature audiences. He could have sat down and watched it on, on Netflix oh, or yeah. Hulu or whatever yeah. and gone right through it. And here's Mal being the good guy by not killing her at the end. Eh, but a little frisky, uh, you know, threatened rape is okay. Oh, I, I mean, it, it, there, I don't think there is any justifying the scene. There are, there are worse scenes and there are worse, there are worse things. I, I'm not one for ex excising all 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 we're talking about cultural relativism in this episode because the moral the moral code of what mal and those on uh firefly have which they you know the things they believe to be right are not this are not part of the culture that they believe saffron to come from and you know in a similar way we look back on things you know radio shows or films tv from the 50s or whenever and if it gets repeated some things won't get repeated and some things the continuity announcers will make the these kind of apologies for it being of a different era over there um, not over here i i kind of think the context is important so yes you should call these things out but you shouldn't pretend they never happened and you shouldn't pretend that everything is simple and morally perfect it's a for a start it's a completely unattainable goal you're never going to produce art that is morally irreproachable it's always it's always going to come from its context and there are always going to have to be discussion now there are some things where no doubt the balance of it would make you say actually i don't really think there is enough value in this to make it something you might want to show to your kids or whatever or but I'm certainly wary of going so far as to censor things or to say such and such should never be seen because of it. Mm. Because there are many other things that have gone the wayside. Treatment of blacks and Asians. Um, you know, that if you go back into films in the 30s, oh my goodness gracious. Yeah. And uh, anything <laughs> blackface. Yeah. Um, and and no, I don't favor the censoring them, but at the same time, you know, we have produced as a society such a massive backlog of this that it that if you are going through that backlog, we are creating a, an inertia against change because we're still showing these things and and whether or not but not if you approach them critically, but they're not art, they're entertainment. People don't approach them critically. We've we've encountered this many times on on this podcast where if you watch it for enjoyment, you like it. And if you watch it with a critical eye, you hate it. (laughs) Often, often it's it's the other way around. Um, It can be. I think I'm not going to argue that everything that we have discussed on Fusion Patrol is art. (laughs) But fair enough. But honestly, when you take something like 
the prisoner or Firefly for that matter and consider how many how many essays and examinations and critical reflections have been developed and written about them compared to their running time mm-hmm. for every minute on the telly the the kind of pages and pages and hours and hours of analysis and criticism that has been pr- produced you can't say this is just entertainment no not not this particular time just as as a whole i you know th- these things and if you say it wasn't in the commentary then they were they not making a point about this see my question is is it just an unthinking thing that that joss it was Beaton an unthinking thing yeah hmm. it was an unthinking thing which as, he got from watching tv and shows probably in the same way i did as you know it's that you're carrying on the you're carrying on the tropes that you've learned hmm. through the tropes. It, it, it's part of that inertia that I, you know, it, it, it's a, it is, it's, it's a tough problem. It, it's a tough problem. I don't know what the answer is. You know, sure, I'll tell you. With Star Wars, you could go in and rebrand this episode in in Hulu and iTunes and whatnot as being mature audience only for for things yeah, that like, weren't mature at the time, and then hopefully the parental controls might lock out your your twelve year old. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't not have a 12 year old watch the episode but i think it might be something to discuss afterwards <clears throat> all right what were the other things you had uh well i was i was just going to come back to uh those who were not featured very heavily in this episode one of whom you mentioned uh kaylee and i actually thought well i, I forgot to mention but there is actually another kaylee scene where she and wash are underneath the console uh, discussing how to reverse the polarity of the neutron flow mm-hmm. uh, which i thought was quite nice so i thought that was worth mentioning but the the main one is, is river well she gets a peek around a corner river gets literally no lines in this episode and it and as i say the thing about the episode is i like how it's about how everyone reacts to this this what's going on it turns out that all of River's lines got cut. It wasn't that no lines were written for her. Well, she should have been able to figure it out almost immediately. Well, she does to some degree. The, see- the scene in which uh, River has all of her lines, it- it's essentially her-, her own subplot for this episode, which is she wants to marry Simon. So she asks uh, Shepherd Book to-, to marry them. She She calls out Saffron as a thief. It turns out Saffron has taken some food for herself um but so 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 river is reacting in two ways to her one is to her dishonesty and she didn't see her steal the food she's just it's her psychic thing going on um but also she's she's uh for some reason i i'm not sure that um this episode would have been improved by keeping the scene in but for some reason she's reacting to the whole marriage vibe that's going on by deciding she wants to marry Simon. Her brother. Her brother, yes. Who who says um, that's just not something that brothers and sisters do, except on some planets, but they're pretty crappy planets. But it does mean that there is an, another uh, fine speech from Mal in, in response to Saffron's taking this food because she hasn't eaten anything herself. And he, he says, you don't wait to be told when to breathe. You don't take orders from anyone except me. And that's just because I'm captain and people take orders from captains even in the world but for the rest damn it 
be like a woman is, not no petrified child. So that mm. kind of reinforces the, the other speeches that we've had from, from Mao about who, who Saffron should be, i.e. what it means to be a, a free woman mm. and to have agency. There we go. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, actually, now that you mentioned Rivers missing from this episode does kind of smack as being a convenience because, yeah, she should have cottoned on somehow. To, to what was going on there and, and tipped it off earlier. Uh, and we didn't get the opportunity for uh, to see um, Saffron try to seduce Simon either. I, I definitely preferred that she was trying to seduce Inara than trying to seduce Simon. I, I think there's a certain, uh, a certain stereotype male fantasy that, uh, that, that might have played into that idea. Possibly. Uh, Possibly. Possibly just. All right. Well, um, what is our next episode? Oh, that's a good question. I, I, had, <laughs> I, had this, I had this at the tip of my brain. Um, but now oh, I'm bushwhacking. No. No, no. We've, we've, we've done seen bushwhack. bushwhacked. It's not out of gas, is it? I don't believe so. It's Janestown. It's Janestown. Janestown. That sounds Indeed. right. Yes. All right. Well, Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure, as always. And listeners... I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at fusionpatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.